This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this is Yen's and that. So how was your week? What'd you do? My week was pretty good. Got to play some disc golf. Excited to get back on my home course of Knob Hill. It's strange because like it's a course that you love, love to hate. So I was excited to play there again. But at the same time, it's like you're walking up the hill and fuck this hill. <laughs> but yeah. it's like in a way I kind of miss that hill because I haven't played it in a couple months and it's just been shitty. Um, we've been playing all these other courses and it's just been a lot of variety. And then when you usually play one course every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and you don't play that for a couple months and then coming back to it, it's like, oh, it's like home. But at the same time, it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Knob has some really, really fun holes. I've only played the new ones once or twice, I think, with you and Nate. And oh, okay. I didn't really get a good glance at them. I'm sure you guys have played those ones a bunch because it's been two years or so since they were put in. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Also, shout out to Nate. I wonder if he yeah. listens. He does. Oh, cool. He actually wanted to stop by and uh, watch it happen. But I'm like, it's kind of boring to just watch me on a headset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the behind the scenes doesn't exactly include too many bloopers. No. But yeah, other than disc golf, I've been playing Animal Crossing. It's one of those games where it's like, I got it and I like it. But at the same time, I can see myself getting bored of this because like, I don't want to collect every little thing. And I get sick. I get bored of fishing. I don't fish to begin with. I don't want to faux fish in a game. Yeah. yeah. Games like that have a grind as part of the basic gameplay loop. And I, I'm right there with you. There are some games where I really, really enjoy specific things. And then eventually those things that I really enjoyed just become tedium and I try to ignore them. There is a pile of games that I loved and spent hours upon hours playing that have never been finished that are just relegated to a garbage heap of, I'm never going to play this again. I enjoyed it while I was playing it for sure. But then the tedium got to a point where I started to lose interest. Somebody dangled shiny keys in the form of a new video game in front of me. And I was like, ooh, shiny, and went directly off to that instead and forgot everything about the game that I had kind of tossed aside. And yeah. what's worse is now trying to get the muscle memory back what were the controls and how was I playing this? Some of the games like Monster Hunter World, I just give up because where I was in that game, if I tried to get back into it now, I would get my ass handed to me repeatedly to the point of frustration. I'd have to start all over and learn the controls again to get anywhere near the proficiency that I had. And that just seems daunting. When I have other games that I want to play, I'd much rather focus on the new shiny than go back to something like that. Yeah, it's funny because when I was younger, I wanted to sit down and just dissect a game and play it and get every little item and thing and whatever. Yes, I will spend 200 hours playing this game. As I got older, my attention span has not been as good. And so I'm just like, oh, man, I'm going to play this game. Like I played the, the hell out of Destiny. Destiny I sunk a couple years into because I was just playing the hell out of it. It's like I come home and play until like 11.30 at night. I, I was able to do that, but then I, I'm no longer able to do that. If a game is longer than like six, eight hours, it's just like too long for me. It doesn't hold my attention anymore. I really, I really want shorter games as an older person. <laughs> yes, 
older person, okay? I'm 44. I, w- I wasn't going to mention it this time. I was going to let this one slide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you let that shit slide. I know. I bring it back. <laughs> I, I still fall. I think I still fall somewhere in between. Longer games, to me, if the hook is there or if it's a free roam, I can deal with the longer games if the gameplay loop is more satisfying. I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 now that it is on Game Pass. And I'm at that stage now where I'm not really progressing too much through the main storyline. I'm wandering around and doing the things that I enjoy now, but I can see becoming tedium later, like fishing in that game. I just unlocked fishing or hunting, uh, side quests, stuff that is completely peripheral to the story of the game, but it is satisfying because there's something to do. There's a a goal in mind for each one of these activities. And I can sit there right now after work, go and grab dinner and sit down in front of the TV and play these games for a couple of hours at a time, even if I don't have a direct purpose of what I'm going to do before moving on to Hulu and watching, binging some show that's on Hulu. This same kind of thing that we, we had mentioned, like the Final Fantasy VII, the thing that got me into the PlayStation in the first place. I walked out of, I don't remember what it was, and I'm going to date myself here, same as you, because it probably was Babbage's or EB. Um, oh, yeah. man. Hey, that's okay. You're older than me. Uh, wow. Those things, yeah, those things don't exist anymore with the downfall of actual malls. And we'll get into some of that probably in a later podcast and talk about the demise of Century 3 and how that's hurting nostalgia. So yeah, walked out of the, the store with my PlayStation 1 and a copy of Final Fantasy 7. Mm-hmm. And I spent entire days playing that game. There was so much to do in that. And I was hooked. I mean, the FMV graphics were spectacular at that time. Obviously, the polygons were a little bit goofy, but you didn't have (laughs) to spend too much time there. And they have the remake of that out. It's only a partial set of the game. I think it even breaks before the first CD would have ended. I don't I don't know too much about what's been going on there. It's you know it's not on Game Pass and I have other distractions to deal with. So I will eventually get back to it. But seeing what was a significant portion of my summer breaks during college now updated for current generation consoles just sounds incredible to me. I don't know that I would be satisfied with where they have it broken right now. I would want more of the world. I would I would want more of Playa del Sol, Geneva, Sephiroth, all of those story elements. Let's be honest, they weren't spectacular in the grand scheme of things, but they had a certain draw. And I want to see more of the remake before I dive in because I don't want to get back to that same point where I am now with Monster Hunter World, where... I get very proficient with the controls for what is the first CD. And then in three years or whenever they come out with part two of the remake, I'd have to relearn those all over again. So I'm happy pushing that off. I'm I'm a patient gamer and I can wait for more episodes to come out before I just devour those. Yeah, I'm impatient. I have zero patience for that shit. So I can't. (laughs) No, not for me. Like I'm, I'm like at that point with Animal Crossing, and I'm just like, ah, do I just go back to The Witcher, which 
is complete opposite of what I was saying with me playing games that are longer than nine hours. But that game I, I am interested in, but it's like, I, I feel like I can play it for a while and then leave it and come, eventually come back to it. Because, I mean, I've done this like twice now, you know, and I'm playing on the Switch because I'm hoarding Switch games because any deal that comes along for a Switch game that's like $10, $15, I'm buying it because it's gotten me to the collector point at this stage. All the older systems, I used to collect everything, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, Master System, Game Gear, Nomad. I had a Atari Jaguar, a Lynx Panasonic 3DO, a Dreamcast, PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4. So yeah, I, I you know, I've been I collect all of those and now it's like I got rid of basically everything, but the Switch has me collecting things and it's bad cuz I don't want to collect Switch games, but I'm doing it. Well, so they have it, a lot that's just a digital download, right? Are you getting the actual I'm, cartridges or are you getting them downloaded through your online library? No, I have downloaded some games that are um, on sale because there's a lot of, they do have a lot of sales on the eShop for the Switch. And I've, I've been able to get a lot of good deals on, on there. But for me, there's something about holding the cartridge in your hand and then putting it in and then having the case. I'm very particular with games and movies and stuff. I like having the case. It's funny, I like having the case, but I also like being able to watch it digitally. So I'll buy a physical, physical copy of a movie, but I'll use the digital code to have, have it in my library so I don't have to pull out the physical copy. But I like being able to hold something in my hand and say it's mine. And digitally, you know, I can hold my Apple TV up, but it really doesn't do the same thing. Uh, yeah, I me. think there is something to be said for having a physical copy of the media in your hand. There are too many instances of purchasing something, you know, stories of consumers purchasing something online. And then the rights holder company says, oh no, you didn't actually purchase it. You purchased a license. And we decide when that license is up and you no longer own what you thought you did. If you mm -hmm. have the physical DVD, nobody can tell you you don't own it. I don't see the like police coming to your door. Um, the license expired. Can you please give the DVD back? Right. Yeah. I've run into this with Amazon Music, where luckily it's it's not that the music goes away forever. Suddenly that artist's work is no longer available to you. Everything is grayed out. But if you mm -hmm. go and search for them, you can get that same album. It's available. It's not like I had to pay for it aside from the just general music subscription. But mm -hmm. the version of it, I don't know if it's the license holder, the agreements, the legal bullshit that goes on behind the scenes. Version A of it is no longer available to me. But version B, which is the exact same music, is now available to me. I have had to go in there, refine all of my music again, and add it back to my library probably 50 or so times just within the last six months. Yeah. Because something happened with a rights dispute or whatever. It's just very, very annoying from a consumer standpoint. If I had the CD, I can load this into my computer. I can rip it. Now I have the digital version on my PC and I can play that and never have to worry about rights holders bullshit because yeah. that's music that I own. It's a physical copy. It's a local copy. We're good to go. 
music so much, I, I've gone to the point where I'm just listening to Spotify most of the time. Even the music I have digitally, I don't. I mean, because everything, everything I want is basically on Spotify. So I could just make a playlist and I don't have, they don't have that issue with, with Spotify that like Amazon does, I guess. Because if, if nothing, it, it, it no longer shows up in Spotify, it's no longer available. Like, like the album's gone. I, I like having Spotify just because I've found out about so many other bands that I never would have heard of or, or even given a listen to or anything. And because of the Discover Weekly playlist, it's like every Monday you get 30 new songs to listen to and you might have heard some, you might not have heard some. And it's just awesome to like, you know, hear some different music that stuff that you might like because of what you normally listen to. Some of my new favorite bands are basically all of my new favorite bands are ones I got from Discover Weekly. So like I like having that option and just having a library. I don't, I don't get introduced to new music if I don't have that. Oh, I agree. I'll pop open Spotify every Monday to listen for the dis weekly discovery mix as well, just to see if there's something that would pique my interest. Amazon has the same kind of feature. And I mentioned it, this to you earlier. I was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Why would you do this to me? They actually recommended a Jordan Rudess song to me. And I for saw For those of you who, for those of you who don't know who Jordan Rudess is, he is the keyboardist piano player for Dream Theater. He's yeah. their third keyboardist. Uh, yeah, and so. I'll I'll go into why this is so devastating to me here in a moment. I saw that come through and I think I just stared at the little pop-up that showed up for a about 12 seconds and the gears in my brain locked up and I thought why the fuck would you ever recommend this to me and then I realized Amazon Music isn't the person it doesn't know why I dislike Jordan Rudess's music I've never told it that I dislike his take on music so there's no reason for me to expect Amazon Music to eliminate that ever from any recordings or, or well, recommendations maybe, for me maybe you should have a talk with Alexa I'm, I'm sure that'll go very well. She'll probably tell me a stupid joke and then order me his entire discography. Okay, a little bit of an aside here explaining why I felt this way about this recommendation. So for a long time, I was a fan of Dream Theater. That's not really the case anymore. But at the time, I was really listening to all the songs. I loved them. And every time that there would be some kind of a movement change in the song, which by the way, should be another fucking song and not just act 37 of a 42 minute long song. Oh, come on. That song is awesome. And you know it. Uh, it is not. <laughs> and we can agree to disagree on that because I will never flip over to that uh, perspective. Yeah, I know. Every time there would be a movement change without exception, I would hear some fucking left field out of the ether calliope music coming from the keyboard where it in no way fits in with the theme, the tone, the cadence of the song itself. It was like they went to an amusement park and pulled the calliope player over to a recording studio and just told him to go ham. Just go nuts and we'll put you in. I am not disparaging Mr. Rudess's technical skills at all. He does things. I've seen videos of him. I've muted them, but I've seen videos of him and he is apparently 
one of the world's foremost progressive rock band keyboardists of all time, whatever you want to put through there. I understand and appreciate the technical side of things. I will never agree that his contributions to Dream Theater songs were a good thing because they don't sound like Dream Theater. Let me, let me walk that back just a second. They don't sound like the Dream Theater songs that I knew and loved with other keyboardists. They sound like the Dream Theater songs that I don't give a shit about anymore. So that's well, my little diatribe. <laughs> what, Kevin Moore was the first one. And he, I, I liked his, his work. But I mean, he, he had some synth going on. Well, even Derek Sherinian, he, he was like flashy. You know, I, I remember seeing them on tour and he had like lava lamps around him. But I mean, I, I, yeah, because, because none of the other members of Dream Theater are flashy. Like no. James Labrie doesn't come showing up with a sequin shirt every concert that he plays. Not to mention Petrucci and Portnoy, because if somebody thinks flamboyant and flashy, those are certainly not guys that they think of. Yeah, well, it's no longer Portnoy, it's Mike Mangini. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that happened well past the point where I stopped listening. Yeah, yeah. I, I admit, I'm probably not one of the majority. I don't care. This is just the way I feel. His contributions ruin the songs, so I simply don't listen to them anymore. But I listened to enough music that was similar to them where Amazon Music decided that they would recommend this song to me, and I just shut the application down right after that, and I had to walk away for a bit. I know, I, I can feel your reaction. <laughs> like, I, I, I can... You've heard it. You've seen it in person more than enough. Yeah, it's like the air gets sucked out of the room, and it's just like, a, it's just bad. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's a good time. Well, okay, so how was your week? Because we just kind of went into that. We didn't even get into your week. Oh, yeah, yeah, cycled back around. Uh, so finished my second week at the new job. Things are going well there. Hooray, new job. Like, seriously, I'm not just joking about that. I'm thrilled that the job is going well. I have all of my equipment here. We're back in business. I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, knocking this stuff out of the park and thrilled with kind of the work that I'm doing as the designer for this company. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's going well. Throwing off the sleep schedule a little bit. But I think part of that is also uh, because I stay up binging Community way too long. Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Hulu has a series on there from the BBC called Misfits, which I missed. This, is, this has, or at least the first season, predates Game of Thrones. And there are a significant number of people who were in Game of Thrones that are in this series. What's that one about again? I think I watched the first season and I haven't gone back to it. It's yet. delinquents who were in community service. They're the main group of characters, but apparently this village, city, town, whatever has a storm roll through and a bunch of people have inherited random uh, superpowers. So they're dealing with identifying what these superpowers are, how do they work with them, how do they get around the fact that they murdered their probation officer because he became kind of a feral beast and was trying to kill them. And what's what, funny was, I, what got me into this was the screen on Hulu shows a group of characters who apparently are the main characters, but they're not in the show yet. They must show up in a later season because 
I forget what the guy's first name is, but Gilgan, he was the vampire character in Preacher. And I love this guy's acting. I think he's spectacular, has a great accent, just steals every scene he's in. He's in this cast photo for the, the show on Hulu as their like splash screen. And I thought, great, I'll get to see this guy do this. Started playing it and he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. Like he's, he's not in the first season at all. He might show up around season three-ish, I don't know. But yeah, between binging those, those couple of things, still keeping up and watching some critical role. I already know the stories. I've seen most of these episodes at least once before, if not watching them in real time. I still like watching them as background and still kind of keeping that D&D environment going for me. And then when I'm not playing that, I've switched from Ori in the Blind Forest over to Red Dead Redemption 2 and just have been playing the shit out of that. Yeah, I was playing Red Dead for a while and then I stopped and I hadn't gone back to it. And I want to get back to it. It's a great game. It's really such a good game, but I just haven't been able to do it yet. I mean, well, I, you've been you've been hunting spiders and fishing fish and whatnot in Animal Crossing. And yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm catching bugs and fish and it's like, for what? You know, maybe I should just quit it. it yeah. It's if it's enjoyable and you don't mind, you know, spending the time to do it, there's no reason to stop. Yeah, but I do want to get back into The Witcher. I usually have a, a show on while I play. I've been binging a lot of stuff too. Like I've, I went through Community again. I watched Hunting Nazi Treasure. It's just stuff like that interests me. And I just end up getting into Hitler as he was going through all of Europe. He was taking all of the art from like everywhere that they got, they went. Then they hit everything and, and these guys are trying to find these priceless works of art. And, you know, it's like, I've never even heard of half these, but I'm here invested. Where, where's it at? Like, why aren't they opening the wall? I mean, just go through the freaking wall. It's supposed to be right there. Just get it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy those types of shows. So yeah, I, I've gotten into that. And then I, I, I binged um, Banshee again. That's such a great show. And, and, the lead character in that is the one of the lead characters in um, The Boys. So yeah, that was a great show. And I don't know about you, but re-watching shows, and then when it gets to like the end of the show, I really get a sense of sadness afterwards. Yes, I've devoted a lot of time and energy into watching the show, re-watching the show, like Community. I've watched that show probably like 10 times. So like, I, there's a lot of enjoyment, but like when you get to that last episode, it's like, I've gotten really like sad again because it's just like, it's over again. And it's like, oh, yeah. I've seen it. I, I've seen it many times and I know how it ends, but like those final like minutes, just when they're doing in all the shows, they do like their goodbyes in certain ways, whatever. And it just, it really just every time it gets me. And it's just like Banshee's been off the air for a long time. You know, it, it, it was only four seasons. But when it got to that end, it was like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, I'm, I miss these characters. It's like, I, I haven't watched the show for a couple of years. So it's like, I, I didn't miss them that much. But it's just amazing that you, you rewatch these things and then you get the emotions that you had when it ended, like the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even, even knowing that it's coming, there's a little bit more of an understanding and kind of an empathy with those characters of the overarching story and the the journey that they had and you were there along the way you might not be an active participant but you're there and you're watching everything that's going down 
and really well done stories should have an end that hits you like that. Going way back for people of our generation, like the ending of Cheers, that was something that was incredibly well done. It didn't just end like Newhart's bullshit did. Cheers. Oh, the, I, Newhart was kind of cool. You're, you're invested, time, but then it was like, oh, what? Yeah, for the, for the time, I'll give it, well, I don't even know because I, I saw it and understood that ending well after it actually happened. Maybe they were the first ones to do it. And every time after that, it was just shit and it was, became a trope. But I didn't like it because I saw it well after the fact. But the ending for Cheers meant something. The ending of The Wire meant something. The ending of Community, it meant something. It really pulled at your heartstrings because you've been there every step of the way with these characters getting to join in on their stories. I've done the same thing. I've watched Community uh, a number of times now, binged it from beginning to end. And that ending episode, it's meant to do that to you. You're, mm -hmm. you're being manipulated is probably the right word, but it has a negative connotation. I don't want to associate with it, but it is. It's yeah. making sure that you're feeling what the writers wanted you to feel. Even shows, obviously, ones like Buffy and Angel. Yeah, I've rewatched Buffy and Angel. I've probably watched both of those shows like ten times. I I liked. I think I liked Angels better because like all the shit happened, and then there's like, okay, I kind of want to slay the dragon. And he's like, let's go to work. Boom, end. There's so much more story to tell, and it's just like, oh man, I want. I want to know what happens next. Yeah, and, and, and Angel's ending was absolutely soul crushing. Like yeah. Buffy's, Buffy's, you knew that it would end on kind of a bittersweet note. Mm -hmm. And uh, th there was kind of that new frontier. What's going to happen next? Well, you don't get to see, use your power of imagination or buy the comic books and continue on with that. But Angels was just soul crushing. Yeah. Not, not just that, but like other shows too. Like I know, like one of my favorite shows all time is, is Battlestar Galactica, the second the, the Ronald Moore version of it. And I loved that show. Even even when, like, you know, a lot of people said it jumped a shark, whatever. And then, like, the last episode, I loved the last episode. Like, I loved how it was ended. You know, it, it wasn't perfect, but, like, it's hard to, to end a show that's, like, so complex and then just make everybody happy. You can't make everybody happy. So, like, I, I just like how, yeah, it sucked what happened here, but I get very emotional about that because it just I, I really enjoyed it you want to know what other show that i've been binging that i really i, I really loved absolutely it, it, andy i would love to hear this story okay well yeah another time okay so it oh sorry i, I almost like i kicked my cat sorry mal Peta is going to be on your ass about animal cruelty i was just moving my leg and he was sprawled out like likely fucking story. story that's all right i'm petting him he's happy we're all happy <laughs> he's not going to report me so the show is Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I don't know if oh, yeah, you've ever seen the, it. With Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Yeah. Yes. I, and, and um, I don't know what it is. I just... Mr. Dawson's I, Creek. Well, yeah, Dawson. Fucking love it, you know, yeah. And in, in how he's playing this superficial version of himself, it's just great. And, and Kristen Ritter is just so crazy in this show. Out of nowhere, just saying random things. Oh, and, she's and a it's fucking just, nightmare, yeah. Yeah, and it's great. She played it perfectly. And it's a shame that, that it only got like one and a half seasons. Anyway, the thing about it, it's a great show. And anyone who hasn't seen it, 
you should give it a, a shot because it's like one of those ones you can put on in the background and just listen to the ridiculousness of it because it's it's kind of ridiculous it really is parks and rec is another one that first season sucks after that it's fucking gold you can start anywhere in that show after that it's it's just it's a great show yeah, that's one. that's one as well that uh, I keep going back to a number of episodes and I'll just rewatch them because I really enjoy like the little Sebastian one. There, there's a bunch of things that come into, I think they, they are the best representations or the best representatives of what Parks and Rec really was all about. So I noticed, I saw you had posted something fairly recently over the last couple of weeks about playing concerts out on your projection screen. I, I know concerts around the world have pretty much been canceled and postponed because everybody's quarantined and nobody wants to sit there. How are, how are these concerts going to be held moving forward? Um, I think for the immediate future, everything's gonna be virtual. Everything's gonna be like live streamed. It doesn't really make sense for a band to go on tour right now and pay all that money for the venue and whatever and be at half capacity. It, it doesn't make sense. So I don't, no idea how the industry is going to recover. It's frustrating because I had tickets to a bunch of shows this year. I was going to see Pearl Jam in a couple places, Royal Blood, Incubus, a couple smaller shows, but everything's canceled. And now I, I have a projection screen on my porch and so I'm able to kind of have an outside venue experience. So, I mean, I've watched a couple Pearl Jam shows that I've been to. So one that I, I didn't go to. And like other live events, you know, live shows that were recorded or whatever, I, I've watched out there just because I miss going to a venue. It's not just like seeing a band. It, it's the whole experience of, you know, like finding your friends. And, you, you know, because I mean, I'm in the Pearl Jam community and I go and, see a bunch of shows and, and I do Periscope a lot of them uh, so they can see the show and listen to the show while I'm there. I just miss have I miss being there and, and having that community feeling of, you know, being with your friends. I, I, I met so many people throughout the shows I've been to in all the different cities. These are some of my best friends. People like talk to regularly and even like when there's no shows, you know, we hang out. I miss seeing the bands and hearing the music and feeling all the things that you feel when you're at a show. But I really miss having that connection with your friends where you're all in this and you're experiencing this. And there's so many different experiences, you know, you have throughout a show. I just, I just wish that I could have that back. You know, it has affected me, you know, I know it's stupid to say there's something about seeing somebody perform and express themselves and then, it gives you a feeling that you express yourself that I miss having that a yeah, lot. It's the full kind of social experience around that. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's anything I've ever experienced, which is why I don't really care that concerts aren't happening right now. The last one that I went to was in November in St. Pete's and I saw Sabaton and I enjoyed it. I, I liked the show. I loved the music that they played. They were uh, promoting their latest album. I was all about going to see them live because I had seen, you know, when they're at Vakit and the way that they interacted with the crowd. And I thought that would be really, really fun. But I went by myself because mm -hmm. I know zero people down here, period. 
let's let's just put that statement out. But <laughs> I also know zero people down here that would be fans of Sabaton. For a very, very long time, I didn't enjoy going to see live shows at all anyway, because I had a very weird purity mindset. Play the song like you did on the album, mm-hmm. which doesn't really do justice to the music. It's just one way of playing it. And the music is the artist's property and they can do whatever they want with it, regardless of what the fans want, what I want. That's a kind of a strange way of acknowledging that when a song becomes a little bit more of a jam session or it has a little bit of, it has a few flaws or what I would look at as not the official version of the song, that's the artist's interpretation or the way they want to play it or just something different to break up the monotony of playing the same songs every night in a thousand different venues. Yeah, And it's their music and they can do that. It took me way too long to understand that. And I think what had happened was I was at an OzFest many years ago, and I'm not going to say when, but they were playing Children of the Grave. And there is a specific part in the guitar solo that I absolutely adore. And the guitarist at the time blew over that part, didn't play it. And I was like, fuck this. My entire night was ruined because I didn't hear my favorite part of my favorite solo. And I get it. Retrospectively, that's fucking stupid to think that way. But I did. It took a very long time for me to understand that side of things. Go to, I think it was Red Fang with you. Um, Mm. Red Fang concert, Macedon concert, Architects. We had gone to a couple of smaller shows within a very short amount of time where I thought, I was fucking stupid all these years. I've missed out on this kind of enjoyment because I was a right fucking prick. Yes, I admit it now. And I did. I had a blast watching those bands play live. Unfortunately, one of the bands that I really enjoyed ended up breaking up and they don't tour anymore. Wild Throne. I would absolutely go and see those guys play again. I think the front man is on. He's onto a new band. I don't know what they've put out, but I was blown away when I saw them with Red Fang, with you at Alter Bar, which isn't even there anymore. You know, it's funny because I don't even remember them. I, I remember that other shitty band that opened up for them. Yeah. But like, I don't remember, I don't remember them at all. For that specific show, there were three bands. There was Wild Throne, Whores, and Red Fang. And then when we saw them again, I'm not going to call out that initial band that we both agreed what the fuck are they doing on stage because they have a really good following and they're a type of music that i don't enjoy i'm sure other people do so i'm not going to shit on them like i did earlier on jordan rudess anyway whores came back they were the mid card and red fang played again this was at a different venue anyway yeah wild throne not a band anymore uh wrecking ball unchained was the song that i was just blown away by And I've listened to that a number of times through Amazon because it's a really solid song. And I would have loved to have known the words to that song while we were there because I would have belted them out right along with the singer. Yeah. But, and that's that's what I'm saying. I had missed all of that because I was a self-righteous prick about how the artists were playing their own goddamn music. Yeah. I mean, you figure... If they go on tour, they're playing, you know, four shows a week, different cities, 
a lot of the bands play the same set list every night. And so if you play it, th- that's another thing is like, when I go to a show, I don't want them to phone it in, play the hits and then leave, you know, and, and just not have any emotion to it. You know, I mean, that's one thing that I feel lucky about liking Pearl Jam and seeing them live is, you know, they'll play three plus hours and they'll play like 35 songs and it'll be a completely different set list. I mean, yeah, you'll get the like standard, like alive, even flow, you know, yellow lead better or whatever, but you get so much else. There's a lot of deep cuts and whatever. And, and they play so many different styles. Like, I mean, you can see a live one night and then see it another night and it'd be different. You know, it's the same fucking song and you've heard it a million times, but it's, there's completely different energy to it. That's why I, I love being able to see live music and just seeing the energy that a lot of these bands get from playing something that they wrote and, and obviously liked enough to like put it on an album you know, but then they're playing it how many times a week and then you practice it too. So it's, I like seeing the like improvisations. So I, it's those things. And it's just, I enjoy seeing those things. And that's why like, I mean, I've gone to shows, my, my first concert, first concert was, was it 93? It was Tesla and Firehouse at the AJ Palumbo Center. I could not hear right for a week because Tesla was so fucking loud. It was one of the loudest shows I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of shows. I don't know why I got onto this, but like, what was your first concert? Uh, Queensryche, out at Starlink. Was that with us? Yes, it was. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's that, the first one I can remember. I don't think there was anything before that, but I could be wrong. They had a new album that they were promoting. Empire was, was after Mindcrime. And then after that was like, in the, in the here and now, I think it was called. I think it might've been that one. I, I can see the cover of the album. It was like desert brown tone with a totem in the Yeah, that there was, was ear, ears on the, on the cover somewhere or whatever. I yeah, because yeah. I, had, I had bought the t-shirt for that show because obviously if it's my first real concert, I have to commemorate the event. So I had that. Do you still have the shirt? I do not know. Oh, boot. I know. No, it's because I actually wore my band t-shirts and that thing got worn out super fast. Yeah. They don't make them strong. I, I, I do still have a Pearl Jam shirt from the, from the yield tour and it still holds up and it's like my shirt to like wear when I'm cleaning or doing something dirty or whatever. There's holes in it everywhere. It's ripped in places, but it's just, I, I'll never throw it away because it's just, it reminds me of, you know, that show and everything. So that was your, if that was your first show, what was, what was your favorite show? Do you have one? Uh, I think uh, seeing the architects. In, uh, in Pittsburgh when you were here? Yeah. When we went, yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. It was the combination of just walking up to just a few rows back and hearing basically every song that I really loved from those guys. Mm-hmm. It, it was recent enough that I don't have any nostalgia kind of associated with it. It was just a balls out, crazy light show, really, really loud. And like the message that those guys were just belting out. I was a huge fan. So I really enjoyed that concert. It was, it was a small venue. Even though, yes, I, I've enjoyed some of the other shows that I went to. Um, the Mastodon ones at Stage AE mm-hmm. were, were really good. In fact, one of them, 
one of the concerts at Stage AE, it was entertaining that we went because I wanted to see Trivium. They were the headliners. Mm -hmm. And Sabaton was their mid-card. And now that's the one, that's the sole concert that I went to see since I've been here in Florida. Well, the thing, our concert experience, we differ from our concert experience because you tend to go off to the side or to the back and kind of just take it all in. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of the, okay, I'm against the rail. I'm catching guitar picks and drumsticks and, you know, I'm all sweaty and, you know, I'm singing and dancing. Yes, I dance. Okay, I don't give a shit. And I'm just like, like I'm, I'm experiencing it a different, I'm, my whole body is, is in it. Not just standing there. Not saying you stand there. I'm just saying that. Oh, I we, do. <laughs> I do. I stand there off to the side. I think if I'm going to kind of analyze myself a little bit. I think I'm a little agoraphobic at times and big crowds I don't like being part of. I don't feel comfortable. And the times when we have been up against the rail, I am way too self-conscious of people bumping into me, just general unpleasantness of being mashed in there with dozens of people that I don't know like right up against me. So I have to remove myself from that situation. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be off to the side. I'll be in the back. I'll be where people aren't because that's where I'm most comfortable. And that just happens to allow me to see the full stage. There are times when I like to be right up front. There are times where I like to be back. If it is one of my favorite songs, like Ember City, Mm. I'd want to be right up there and watching them play the solos for that. I want to be right there and be part of it. And then once the song is over, I'll just kind of Homer Simpson meld my way back into the bushes <laughs> and get away from everything else. All right. Michelle, Neil, we need a gif of Tony falling back into the bushes, just like Homer Simpson. So just in the mental note, you know, you, I know you can do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just like getting up close and I mean, there's certain shows I, I don't care about. I, yeah, I want to see bands, but it's like, I don't want to sit up front for four bands to see the one band that I want to really see. But I, I, I do enjoy getting up there and it's just a different perspective and it's just a different energy. I have been in situations, I, I know back in the day when we went out to fucking shitty Star Lake Amphitheater and saw like Ozfest and Metallica or whatever. Yeah, we're on the hillside. We're moshing. We're just, I, I was just crazy. I was doing whatever. I didn't give a fuck. But um, now I, I, I don't want to do any of that shit. And I, I'm at the point where like, I love being up close, but I really, I know for Pearl Jam, like you need to basically sleep out the next, the, the day before in order to get rail. You can walk in at the time that the gates open and still be back like 20 people and see a great show. But, you know, there's that whole, oh, I got to have the rail when you're doing it. I, I'm fine with, unless they're coming to Pittsburgh, I'm not going to fucking do that again, I don't think. Because I don't really want to like sleep out anymore. I mean, it's, it is a fucking hard day. And I know it makes me sound fucking old. I don't give a shit. Well, but it's like, it's like, yeah, I know, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Told you I'd get it, it in. yeah. It's hard when you're, you're, you get very little sleep. You're sitting or standing on concrete for hours and hours and hours. And then you get in the venue and then it's like you're there for hours and hours and hours. And it's just, it is a lot of stress, emotional stress, because like you're, it takes a toll on your body. And, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do four shows and it's 
four shows of this, that it's a, it becomes a lot. So like I've kind of went towards getting seats rather than being in the pit, GA or whatever, for, for stuff like that. Uh, like smaller bands, it doesn't really matter. Like you could go see like Red Fang come by or whatever. And I'm usually there early anyway. I mean, half the time I get there and the band's outside smoking or drinking, you know, and they're just BSing. And it, it's just a cool atmosphere. You know, I like going to smaller shows actually a lot better now because uh, it's it's just more intimate and you get like a different, I don't know, it's a different feeling. But I, I mean, I've seen a lot of, smaller bands in the last like couple of years uh, bands i found on spotify that i'd never would have known of like thank you scientists never would have heard of them now they're one of my favorite bands and i listen to them all the fucking time and i've seen them probably like five times now you know and there's other bands i i wanted to see that were supposed to come to town and like everything's canceled so like sucks like i said i really would like to go to a show and have those experiences but it's not going to happen this year and the chances of it happening I, I'd say it's going to be like spring, summer that we're finally going to get like tours announced or, or not, maybe not announced, but like when they actually like take place. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I don't see, well, it doesn't, it doesn't really fucking matter for me here because we don't have an actual venue for concerts of the size that would host bands that I care to see. Um, I would end up having to drive over to either Miami or back up into Tampa, St. Pete to see the bands that I'd be interested in seeing. Um, they do have uh, metal cruises that go out of here every so often, but I can't think of anything worse than going out on a floating Petri dish, especially when a pandemic is going on. Be- because that's metal, it. that's why. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's the attractiveness of it. There are a lot of bands that I would love to see there that don't have a venue to come through here. You know, Iron Maidens or Unleash the Archers, bands that are uh, small venue bands, there's just nothing here for them. Yeah. And they get together for those larger festivals and go out. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going on a cruise to, to see them. I'd rather go to one of the bars or smaller venues around. I just don't, like you, I don't see it happening unless there are some crazy ideas to keep people from coughing on each other. Or yeah. a vaccine comes out. Once a vaccine comes out, all bets are off and we're back to business. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, think that's, I think that's good. What do you think? That works for uh, me. Yeah, I think I'm done talking for now. I think people are done listening to, to my voice. Yeah, but like, will you guys fucking just shut up, please? We're done listening to you. Well, I would like to thank all of our listeners, all six or seven. I really appreciate your support. Have a great weekend. Yeah, sounds good. And we'll see you next Thursday. To close out this week's segment, enjoy this few seconds of two idiots trying to record the intro to this episode. This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this and is Ian Sinat. Oh, you dick. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you said I you didn't I didn't think you were gonna do it, so that's why. Well let's let's redo that then. Okay. This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this is and this Ian is the Ian's. <laughs> ah. All right, fuck it. I'm just gonna let you do it because it's tough to sync this up. No, I mean we could do that. It's it's fine. This is Tony. This is Anzi. And Anzi. Yes, I'm Anzi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Anzi, and this is Yin's and that. It's a lot to say. All right. Okay. One more try. This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this, and this is, is Yin's and that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, fuck it. Just let, I'll let you do it. All right. <laughs> this is Tony. And this is Andy. 
and this is Yenzanat.